Welcome to yet another edition of Hit the Target podcast, proudly brought to you by Hollywood Bets. I'm your host, Jesse Nagel, discussing all things Premier League football, and we've got seven topics to discuss. Uh, seven's the magic number this week, of course, after Manchester United were humbled by their bitter rivals. And uh, yet to discuss it with me is uh, the three wise men in studio. Of course, I'm talking about Chadley Nagel as well as Desh Patab. Gentlemen, good to see you here in studio, Desh. How are you feeling after witnessing that seven, yeah, I mean, seven goal thriller? There is a, a seven point gap between Liverpool and United. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I guess that's a, that says it all. Crazy, shocking, <laughs> absolutely shocking. Mm. It shows uh, what the Premier League is all about because Manchester United, to some extent, Chad went into the game as favourites uh, for the first time in a very long time. People expected, you know. Uh, Man United to get something at Anfield. Man United, in fact, Desh, we spoke about it, to do the double over Liverpool. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, um, I was one of them uh, that that felt United were the favourites heading into that game, despite the game being played at Anfield. But I was totally shocked uh, with what I witnessed, what I saw. The performance at United were dreadful. And um, this was a United side that had been performing really well under Eric Tanag and they were still they were still very much in the title picture you know whether you thought they had a chance of winning the title or not uh, you know Man United was still uh, mathematically involved in the title race and I think this defeat is it's such a demoralizing defeat um, you know just players have dropped will drop their heads uh, it's it's when you when you Receive when you're on the back of such a heavy loss, it's hard to pick yourself up again. And we know the quality is there at United. I think maybe fortunately for them, uh, they do play the league's bottom side in Southampton. But last time we were doing this podcast, we emphasized Southampton being bottom of the table and they ended up uh, getting a positive result and beating Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. So uh, I think this game, uh, United against Liverpool, the 7 0 uh, defeat. Victory showed us that there are plenty of surprises in the Premier League. That it's full of um, it's full of shocking results, and I think uh, we haven't seen the end of it yet. Mm. Yes. why did Man United lose seven 0 It sounds like a silly question, but let's look at it deeper. What what's the cause of that seven goal mauling? Is it tactics? Is it Ten Hag getting a team selection wrong? Is it just Anfield being a stage so big for, for Manchester United at this point. Because like Chad said, Man United are a good team. They're a decent team. They're in the title race a few weeks ago. They're not terrible. They're not 7-0 bad. Mm-hmm. Why did they lose 7-0? So I think it's a combination of things that you've just mentioned. Um, I think um, there is an element of fatigue that would would be uh, that would have a part to play in this one. But um, you know, another point you mentioned, tactics. I Having watched the game, only the first goal was down to tactics. We saw Andy Robertson giving, uh, I think it was Cody Gakpo the eye, saying, there's the gap, move in, I'm going to play it to you. And just like that, Robbo played a delicious pass. I think it was like maybe 10 yards, in a, you know, and then um, there, Cody Gakpo in the box, shifted his weight beautifully. You know, he, I think it was Dallo he had, uh, he had in front of him. And then there was a, another defender. I think it might have been, was it Fred? I want to say Martinez. He, no, in front. So he, he shimmied. Like a yeah, he shimmied two players with one, you know, with one move and um, oh, buried it. You know, like, like just nestled it in the corner. And um, 
And then they go into halftime. You know, I don't think uh, it was all doom and gloom up to that point because United had chances. You look at Fernandez; I think he had two, one being the header. I think he was just a bit um, rash with that. Uh, and then, you, you know, Marcus Rashford as well. I think it was Luke Shaw played a sensational ball, just like clipped it over the, over the top. Rashford is running on, just needed to side foot it on either side of Allison, And uh, maybe the game, you know, the tire could have swayed in United's favour. But, uh, you know, they didn't take the chances going into halftime, one of down at Anfield, which is not a place you want to be um, ever on the, on the deficit. Um, and then, you know, six, six. What's the capitulation down to? How did I, I, Liverpool just score six goals in the second half against a high-flying Manchester United team? I, I'm it, trying to understand. It felt this. like after this, like watching it, it felt like after the second goal went in, after they conceded the second, like heads just dropped. And it's almost as if, um, I know Tanag said that uh, the players didn't give up and uh, after the game in his interview, but it, it, it was clear to me that after the second goal, um, after they conceded the second goal, heads just dropped. And it was almost as if United just refused to, like, struggle to pick themselves up. They struggled to get back into the game. And uh, they were just making um, poor decisions, decision-making in their passes, um, even... Yes, I, I do believe it. Uh, I agree with Desh. It was a, a bit of fatigue as well, but it was just passion, but like misdirect, misdirected passion, like from Bruno Fernandes, and it's almost reckless behavior, and it's just just confidence low uh, after that second goal goes in, and I think heads just drop, and then the goals just come, and, just, uh, and, and you give, you're inviting Liverpool into the game, and they just grow in confidence, and like even the way Liverpool have been playing, uh, didn't suggest that a 7-0 or even a 5-0, 4-0 was on the horizon. I think players just saw United there for the taking um, and I think they stepped up. Players like Mo Salah, who became Liverpool's uh, record scorer in the Premier League, he was fantastic. And the way um, he beat, uh, the way he finished um, the United defender, the Argentine, Sandro Martinez, sure, that was brilliant. I think a lot of things um, went in their favour on the night. So, um, you know, if you look at that 40, the second 45, just even the first goal, do you know how many things went right? You know how many drop balls? Um, it was still up for con- contest and they just fell to Liverpool. I think there was a clearance as well that was poor. And then the ball goes across the box. Nunez is there banging at us. So, you know, he's, he's a centre forward. He picks up the position and, um, you know, he just put his, his, his hand in the, in the hat there. And, um, and, and then you look at even some of the solid ones, the, the one volley, the one touch, yeah. one touch volley. Again, the ball just bounced him, right place, right time. And you know, the little, like, if you look at like Liverpool over the last three seasons, they are the most dangerous counter-attacking team, you know, whether it's home or away for that reason. So they know how to, um, two touches and the ball is in a batter net. I stand to be corrected, but I think Liverpool had eight shots on goal, seven went in. Yeah. So that's, that adds, adds, adds to your points. But I want to ask a question. Did the Man United players lose faith in one another? Because you saw after the game, Tinha called it an unprofessional performance and he slated his players and saying, you know, it's not what he expects of them. You looked at the players, you mentioned the passion, the emotion. The only time they did show that passion was when they were running up into the referee's face, trying to get decisions their way. And they're not really, you know, playing the football side of it. They're trying to use the dark arts of football and, it kind of looked like Bruno Fernandes in particular. I want to single him out here. Yeah. I want to single him out here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it seemed like he lost faith in the other players. And we know he's probably the most talented player in that Man United team. But when your most talented player oh, loses... Yes. But I mean, yeah. he didn't look it. Yeah. So you've got Bruno Fernandes, who's probably the most talented player. When your most talented player loses faith in your players around him, it kind of goes downhill from there. Mm. I, I did see him push the referee. Like, mm. I think it was the assistant or the linesman, if I'm not mistaken. For me, I, I think that's like definitely booking. I don't think you should have got away with that. Um, with regards to the other players, I think they all were fired up. So I don't know if you can really single out anyone. Are you not singling out Fernandez? Fernandez, for me, I just think he could have done better. Again, if, with those two chances, you'd never know what, how. He the, the captain, he, yeah, yeah, he's, so he's a leader. The mentality. You know, he, has to be the, he has to be a leader. And, and he did a poor position in leading his team. And even trying to lift them up when they were to, when they were a goal down. Uh, like, you know, I, I say it was passion, but it was misdirected in all the wrong places. And I just feel like he is a quality player, no doubt about it. And he's arguably their best player for sure. Uh, but his attitude that we, and we've seen signs of this, uh, maybe not this bad in, in the, in the Liverpool game, but I had, I have seen signs, um, in, in, in a couple of United games now with Bruno Fernandes where he just, where he, you know, there's, there's an ugly, there's an ugly, yeah, there's an outburst and there's just a, like an ugly side to his game, uh, which we know he's a quality player and he's capable of pure brilliance. But we see him going to the referee a lot, uh, complaining a lot, um, uh, trying to get players booked. Uh, you see him uh, going down too easily and making a meal of, uh, you know, of many um, uh, uh, fouls and stuff like that. And I think for someone who, Where's the captain's armband? Who's a leader? You need him to lead, and I feel like he didn't. He was not in his role um, in the Liverpool game. Question is, where to now for Man United? Of course, they kind of out the title race. Uh, Liverpool are seven points behind him, seven being the magic number again. Um, can well is the top four spots up for grabs? We've got Tottenham team who, as bad as they are, just won't go away. They capable of winning two on the spin, three on the spin, and, you know, being right up there again. Uh, Newcastle have shown their capabilities this season. Liverpool are now on the rise and um, look to be the team that they were of yesteryear. Um, are Man United suffer chances up for... I think, it for I, think, I think it's still theirs. I think United get into the... Come the end of the season, I think they're there. I think Tenog has delivered on, um, on one of his goals this season. I'm not sure... If he openly stated, I'm going to deliver a title, but I'm sure on, on his contract, there would have uh, been something like get to a final, cup final. Um, and, you know, delivering uh, a piece of silverware, I think six years was the, was the trophy drought. Yeah. So, Carabao. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so lots just, of seven jobs. You can see what he was doing this morning from uh, and, 7 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I think they still, United are still in contention to win the Europa League. Uh, of course, at the time of recording, they, they, they're playing tonight. Yeah. They're, they're playing real bitters. Look, of course, Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal are obviously probably be the favorites going into this competition. But I think United, I think football is such a cruel game and I think it's unfortunate because, of course, you, you should be criticised when you lose um, uh, a defeat, when you suffer a defeat in that manner, losing 7-0, uh, but against your arch rivals as well. But I think uh, a lot of people have now just forgotten all the good uh, and that, that everyone's just zoned in on the on, on, on the dreadful performance that, that it was. But I think um, Tanag has 
done a fantastic job. He's 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 come in and he's and he's and he's made some bold calls like which uh, previous managers didn't have the guts to do, like dropping Harry Maguire, the captain, being for for one one of the many things that he did right. And I think um, I think he deserves some credit. I, I know, like he, unfortunately, his defeats will draw a lot of criticism, and rightly so. But he has put United on the right track. I mean, Jesse, you were saying. Um, you expect United to be favourites for the league title next season, like just a, like a week ago. <laughs> just a week ago. So I think United, it's been, a, it's been a good season. Yes, it's been a horrible match, but they can pick themselves up. They can turn it around. There's still a lot to play for. Their top four spot is still very much in their grasp, and I think they will uh, ease to top four. Um, I think Carabao Cup is, is not the most ideal trophy, but it is a trophy. And you say six years without uh, winning silverware. Uh, and, you know, they are in contention to win the Europa League. And and history shows the last times they've been in it that, that they've won it. So uh, there's still a lot that they can be cheery about, you know, uh, the, getting into the latter part the, of the state. The reason why I ask where to now for Man United, and I'm posing this question, is because you look, you look at the mental like weakness that they showed. And yes, you know, you can lose, you know, get smacked at Anfield by Liverpool. Everyone goes through it. It's, it's not anything to be ashamed about. Liverpool could do that to 2011 Barcelona if they, if they face them. But, well, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like you look at, you look at the mental weakness that they showed. And I look at the other teams in and around them. You look at Liverpool who went through their terrible spell. They never ever lost the faith in, you know, the coach, the system. The fans always bought into what the players are doing, even when they were down and out and, you know, getting terrible results. Same with Manchester City, same with Arsenal. Arsenal fans, in fact, went louder when Bournemouth scored their second goal on the weekend. And it shows a mental strength, and that's how Arsenal, which we'll get to in a moment, but I'm just trying to highlight the mental strength that when United, when the chips are down for United, they're really down. And yeah, that, that, it's just... it's. It's so hard to see where to now for them. I, I do think they'll get top four, but I think they'll just about get foot spots. Um, for, Liverpool will finish when, about them. When I, when I, from what I've seen this season, um, I, there have been some huge positives. And you're saying where to now. I think right now, he he has definitely um, improved the home form. And you know, winning that Old Trafford crowd is hugely important. You know, the, the fans are there week in, week out. I don't think so. I think that's... Look, look, I actually feel like, look, I know what we said last couple of podcasts about, you know, bottom teams and, you know, when their backs are against the wall, they can, you don't write them off and there's no, you don't count your wins uh, in uh, before they before the fixtures even kick off. Uh, but I, let me just say, this is the most, this is an ideal game for United. It just, it so works out for them that their next game as a as a home game against Southampton, but then on the flip side to that, sorry to answer that, yeah. but on the flip side of that, you've got a James Wood Prowse who's seen seven of eight shots go in, and he needs one out of one free kick to score. He's the best set piece taker in, in the league, in fact, probably the world, and he's just witnessed that same goalkeeper he's facing now uh, no, concede seven. I I one hundred percent agree with that, but he it, it's also it'll also be true to say that. James Wood Prowse plays for a team that are used to conceding nine in a season. Uh, so, so Southampton have, have caught uh, some hidings in the last couple of seasons. We can think of two nine nil defeats, which is shocking. So, so if you, so if United have lost seven nil, is it so far fetched to think 
uh, Southampton could catch a, a real hiding here, especially they sit in 19th place. They face a United side that really have to put in a response. They, they, they have to respond really well and, and kind of um, put last week's uh, disappointing result behind them. And I think the, the, the step forward to do that would be a hammering. And I think that's exactly what I see. I think a hammering is on the cards. I think United... Uh, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. Honestly, I think United are going to put like four, five, six past Southampton. We'll see, though. Remains to be seen. Um, good, good luck for. Well, hopefully, good luck. I'm just trying to send some words of positivity to our sound engineer, um, Martin, who's going to be editing this podcast in a in a few moments. Um, he has to sit through half an hour of madness listening to was it 17 minutes. Seven, seven minutes, seven times seven. Uh, Dash, let's focus on the title race. We've got an Arsenal team who just won't go away. Five points clear now. They, whether they play first, whether they play after Manchester City, there's a belief now that they can do it. And, you know, that Bournemouth game, I'm going to say that that Bournemouth game, that 3-2 victory over Bournemouth meant more than the 4-0 win against Everton. And I think they needed that more than the Everton victory because Everton is a comfortable one. I'm not having the Everton results in your face, by the way. Um, it's an Everton team who can lose 4-0, but it's an Arsenal team who you don't know how they'd respond from going 2-0 down. So I think that means a lot more to them now in the title running with about 13 games to go or 12 games to go in Manchester City who just have players touching each other or touching well, <laughs> outside of the playing field. It's it's a mess for them. Mm. Um, I think for for Arsenal, like they they obviously have returned to, um, they have extended the gap at the top of the table. But the the goals as well, you know, like they they twelve in their last four league appearances. That's and th- and two of them were uh, they put four past uh, past Villa and then four past Everton. Mm. So that tells you tells you a lot. And and it's the the variety of plays you saw. Reese Nelson come off the bench, supplied the assist. Um, for one, and then I think he finished uh, one of the others. So it tells you that uh, players from the academy are coming through. Um, I was a big fan of Nketiah, but obviously he hasn't delivered in recent weeks. The rumors are Jesus is back, and the title challenge, or rather, title the grip, the grip, yeah, exactly, the grip on the title is, will strengthen as soon as his name mm-hmm. is on that team sheet. Um, you know, he is your, your number nine. He's like he's like. Fits perfectly in the team. I'm sure Ateta, you know, he was uh, like just hounding the board for him. You know, top transfer target, throw everything at him. And Pep, I don't know what he was thinking when he let him go to to Arsenal and 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 maybe it haunts him or or not. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I think I think maybe the celebrations are a bit over the top. Three, yeah, I think nineteenth place, Bournemouth. <laughs> uh, it's not. No, yeah. I think I, I think the the celebrations. I think for them, and I'm not an Arsenal fan, but I think what it what it said was, uh, this is the mark of champions. This is a, this is a team that can grind out when the going gets incredibly difficult. When you're staring defeat in the face and out of nothing, you just tend to turn it around. I think having conceded two goals, I think had you had Arsenal got a point, I think it would have would have been something to be positive about. But the fact that they get three, like I, you know, and and, and of course, Bournemouth had had a couple of chances. Arsenal also had denied uh, some some poor decisions go against them, penalty shouts. Um, but you know what? I, I want to 
couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I, I, I was praising Arsenal and I was saying how uh, Mikel Oteta has got the, the players, they, he's kind of overachieving. Uh, but I, I want to correct that statement because I feel like what we're seeing now from Arsenal is just players playing to their true potential. This is Arsenal. And I, and I think that uh, they are actually, for me, as a, as a rival supporter of Arsenal, supporting Chelsea, they, are, they have become annoyingly good. Where, where there's certain things that, that are so brilliant. If you love football, just even though you don't want to see your rivals do well, you just can't help but just smile sometimes and you see the football that they're playing together and uh, the passes that they're doing and the way they're going about their business. Everyone stands out. Uh, players that have been labeled flops for the longest time, players like Granite Chucker, um, nobody thought new Ben Whites was this good. Saliba coming out from... Uh, coming back from a loan spell, just stepping, uh, uh, just cho- uh, coming into the team, and he looks like one of the best defenders in Europe. It's it's crazy. Yeah. So you know this team are fantastic, and I and I feel like even the players, uh, whoever, like even the players, the fringe players who are who who, who don't necessarily start, I feel like. Everyone just trusts the manager and is prepared to give everything for Arteta that regardless of who plays, regardless of who steps onto the pitch, they are going to give their 200%. And I think even like Nketiah, yes, the goals have dried up for him, but we, we haven't seen, uh, it's not like he isn't working hard. Uh, he's, he's, you know, making a lot of runs. He's been, I, I, I can see someone like putting in a lot of effort. Maybe he, ha- he isn't scoring. And he isn't. Trossard has been favoured over him. Like, you know, imagine that Nketiah is being benched and Jesus yeah. is still is, out the team. Is that down to Trossard or is that down to Nketiah? No, it's definitely down to Nketiah's like, lack of output, you know. Because Trossard, I believe he scored and it was ruled offside once and then, uh, and then he scored. Yeah, but again, it shows you that the ball is landing in the back of the net. He, he's somebody who can do it. He has done it at Brighton and against some very difficult oppositions. You know, I have said it before, I was very impressed when Brighton played City at the Etihad, he was one of those players that just took the fight to them. And, and Arsenal do have a game at the Etihad loading. So I also think the transfer window was key for Arsenal. I think they made all... Going back to... Remember, we had this talk about who did better business on, the, on that podcast. And, and it turns out you were right because they made, very, they made, smart, they made smart signings. They, they really made some smart signings, bringing the likes of... Jorginho to just to add, he has a wealth of experience. Uh, UEFA club midfielder of the year not that long ago, um, and you know the players like Trossard that we we, we pray, lavishing praise on right now, like they. I think Arteta was smart in and and um, and, I, and I think that he's he do, he's done just enough uh, in the in the window to feel like to do um, just to get over the line um, as Arsenal obviously chased their first. Premier League title since... Since the Invincibles. Yeah. I, I don't want to ask this question, but I feel like I have to. Uh, let me play devil's advocate a bit of your dish. Um, Arsenal, as good as they've been, the past couple of games, there's too many times where... Or is there too many times? Let me rather pose the question instead of you know, make it a statement. Is there too many times where they're relying on that mark of champions that Chad mentioned? Going 2-0 down against Bournemouth, Going down as to Aston Villa twice, uh, the Leicester game they left it to the 92nd minute and then 94th minute, scoring twice in additional time. Is is there signs of weakness there? Because if teams are going yeah, one 0 up and two 0 up, how great are you? I would say it's the opposite. I would say 
I would I would definitely take a comeback victory than just um yeah exactly because that because you know like your like you keep hearing that it's when times are going well it's like easy easy sailing you know and it's it's when you're actually your back is against the wall you're one nil down against Bournemouth at home you know the title is like on the line it's hugely important it shows character yeah. but do so, manchester city not see that chat as a team that can be caught I think if you if you the chasing pack if you if you're a team like Manchester City who want their title they want it successfully defended I think they will look for any kinds of positives they'll try to draw any positives and I think they will be looking at the fact that you know Arsenal uh, have have shown um, signs of weakness of late uh, they, they you can uh, open up their defense you can sc- uh, you can take a lead you can go one nil up you can go two nil up against them so maybe they'll be drawing positives in that sense but for me uh, if watching as, as as a support of neither of those sides i can just see arsenal showing character and it's just and it seems like the confidence is just getting um greater with each game yeah i think They're growing in confidence, yeah. and I feel like we have not even seen the best of Arsenal. That's yeah. that's what's scary. To me. If I can answer that, and as an Arsenal supporter, I think it gives Arsenal more questions to answer because a couple of years ago, if Arsenal got two 0 down against uh, Bournemouth, you know it's probably going to be three or four, and the best they could do is get a two one defeat. Like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, when Bournemouth scored the second goal, you all you heard is Arsenal fans, and that's quite crazy because. In previous years, you never ever saw that, and again, it comes to the belief and the trust, and you know, players like Ben White. So you you need luck. Ben White is getting his first goals, and Chenko got his first Premier League goal. Jorginho's hitting the point. It's going in off a former goalkeeper. The storytelling of here is just incredible. It, it, it appears like to be written in the stars that mm. this could be Arsenal's season. I think it's been a long wait, and I think now we're seeing. That this team are stepping up. They're showing character. Uh, they've they've been criticised over the years of a uh, lacking character, lacking players that just have uh, have a bit of fight. Uh, they have good flashy players. The, the, that's what you've always heard about Arsenal. They play good football. Everyone says yeah, but they play good football. But now they they play, yeah no backbone. But now we're seeing steel. We're seeing grit. We're seeing fight. We're seeing um, you know just this warrior attitude uh, that all the players. Uh, and, and credit goes to Mikel Arteta for instilling that uh, in, the, in in the players. In conclusion, are they going to win it? I actually, I'm, I'm afraid so. I mean, being a rival, I wouldn't like to see it. Uh, but I do feel like Arsenal have been the best team in the Premier League. I think they are the best team, and I'm just happy that they aren't in the Champions League currently because the way they're playing right now, they would be in contention to win the Champions League as well. That's just my honest opinion. Stop the count. They say, uh, Dish, will Arsenal win the league? Yeah, I've, I've said it previously as well. I do think that they they will, and this was um, this was just based on what we have seen so far. You know, like they've had a dip. They've come out from from that same dip. You know, um, the goals keep flying, and and again, with Jesus coming back, I have to like reiterate. You know, he improves that entire front line. You know, Martinelli. Oh, Martinelli is just. Probably also praising, maybe also helping out the physios. Loving his legs, yeah. Um, you know, um, Odegaard will have like, an, like a, just a fox up front. You know, just like um, it'll be interesting to see like what his numbers. Um, you know, in fact, all the whole of the Arsenal front line, what the individual numbers and and, and team numbers come up to. You know, like 
how will he actually play Smithrow, Reels Nelson, um, Inkejia, Trossard? I don't know what the... Because I, I think the front line is pretty much set in stone. And then you got another four who are like just... Yeah, just, like if any if there any slip up, some play doesn't perform back to back fixtures. Yeah. Could be. I mean the quality is, yeah. is 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 really there to see. I mean you think of players like Smith Rowe, who's mm. one of the stars for Arsenal. Him and Saka, wow. like he, he can't even like get a, get a run in. Uh, that's because of the quality I had. But that's that's uh, Mikel Arteta, and he's been smart in in rec- his recruitment, and also I'm um, giving younger players who have been overlooked in the past, giving them a full opportunity, and I think he's reaping the rewards for it. I think Arsenal have a squad now. They've always had a good eleven. They've had a uh, they've had a, uh, maybe a good nine or ten previous seasons, but now they have a good squad, a squad that is capable of challenging on all uh, counts. Yeah. Does anybody strike you to have an ego in that Arsenal front line? Front line? Yeah. No. And nobody. squad? No. Nobody, eh? No. So can any, like, internal you, conflict? You know, you know yeah. what? I think if you, know, you, ask, me, if, room, if you yeah. ask me in January, I would have probably said, no, Lokonga. Uh. And I think Odset has identified that because he's the type who... He's of, smashing it in League One, eh? He, well, Crystal Palace. He's, oh, there's uh, another player I'm thinking he, of. He's, he was becoming a bit of a poison in the team. And I say that because there was, you know, Thomas Ponty, you needed a break sometimes and we couldn't afford to do it because there wasn't a Jorginho in January. And Arteta couldn't put his trust in Lekonga. And I think Lekonga knew that. Yeah. And when there's that disconnect, you know, there could be um, a young boy throwing his toys out the cart. And I, I, I think... Arteta's identified that quickly and gave him a loan spell to a team in London where he's, you know, used to the surroundings. He's used to a a former Arsenal legend or, in fact, an Arsenal legend. Um, He's used to a team that plays progressive football. So there's going to be a lot of learnings for Lukonga and I think his time will come. uh, But I think he needed to be out that squad this season. Yeah, Tesh, I think you were referring to that highly rated striker. Fuller and Balong, uh, yeah. Balogun, yeah. Balogun, yeah. He's in France. Yeah. 15, 15, league yeah, goal, 15 goals yeah. in League One. And yeah. I think yeah. at one stage, he was top <coughs> of the charts. Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, yes, that was the first point. The second point I was trying to make was, um, if you look at the United camp, just like, you know, in maybe a season or two ago. I can give you, you 10 players with what an ego. Precisely. Thing. And not just that, you'd hear leaks to the media. You'd hear like players going behind the their back um, dressing room is like divided. Mm. It just wasn't, you know, uh, you had the Ronaldo um, conflict there as no, well. That's true. And I think what's good with Arsenal is there's, there's clearly a unity there. And, and, it, and it's not just the players, it's, it's the supporters who as well. And, and they play a huge, huge role. Uh, and, you know, th- th- there's no cronky out signings, uh, signs. There's no um, Arteta, out. Arteta out. Everyone's united. Everyone trusts the process. Uh, maybe n- not everyone was on board a couple months ago, but they, they sure as hell are there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you look at even when players are being substituted off. They're running off the pitch. They know the team needs a result. Yeah. The player coming on can do a every, better every job in this moment. putting the team first. Dish, uh, you just made me think of something. Um, Bruno Fernandes, we, we, he was a topic earlier. Um, giving our, our sound engineer Martin a headache. But um, Bruno Fernandes, is he not sulking because there's a six foot six striker playing in the number 10 role, leaving him to play out of position 
he's on the right side. He's not in his preferred position. He's the captain, but he, he feels, well, does he feel like there's, you know, not enough things going in his favor? Why does he have to make way for someone who's not the most technically gifted player, someone who's not going to pick out Rashford's through, uh, pick out through balls for Rashford, someone who's not going to link attack and midfield? Mm. Is that so with, with the forward? Um, I, I don't understand why United have this like forward profile. You know, if you look at your Ibrahimovic's, um, I think Diego Fallen when he came, he was also much older. Um, you know, they, they are uh, uh, Ranimal Falcao, you know, like what, how did his name pop up on a transfer um, list, you know? Um, and then, and it's consistent if you look at Vardvikos as well. How did his name pop up on on? But United's? why is he playing in the number ten role? Is so, that something that Bruno Fernandes look, could be? For me, I've, upset I think about. It's been Ten Hag's blueprint from the start of the season, um, you know, and it it has um it it was part of the things that I've seen from him. The the number in this instance, I actually think Fernandes played out wide because Fred was there, you know, and sometimes that you do see the double pivot of uh, Eriksson and Casemiro or. Um, whoever it is. Um, but I, I think that the blueprint is the manager's sort of, he has the, you know, this is his vision. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I want to play it. And the results are there. They, like before that game, pro- prolific numbers, you know, yeah. home and away against Barcelona, <coughs> champions, I mean, excuse me, the champions of uh, Carabao Cup. Yeah. Um, you know, this is yeah, a huge blip, obviously 7-0 on your CV. You don't, but, but I think no, even, even if there is frustrations with Bruno Fernandes, even if he has those kind of frustrations, like Vegas playing in a number 10 role and when he's a center forward or whatever it is, you cannot have that response. You cannot respond that way, especially when you wear the captain's armband. You cannot even show that you are in disagreements with the, the manager and that you know, you, you're an example and, and the younger players are looking up at, at you, at Bruno Fernandes, and to inspire the team. And when the, when, when, when the chips are down, to uh, draw some confidence and belief that we can turn this around. And we, we did not see that. Mm. Um, we digressed a bit. Title race, Manchester City, uh, Dish. You like what you see from them? Will they chase Arsenal all the way? Or are they still what they were? Um, or was the wheels turning? Um, look, it was it was a good 2-0 win over Newcastle last time out. I think an important victory for City. Because um, obviously Newcastle's defensive... Um, record up to that point was nothing short of sensational. In fact, that was their first away league loss of the season. So it tells you how how long Eddie Howe has kept that that unbeaten um, record alive. You know, last team to to go down. Um, yeah, just three shots on target though. You for know, City. for City and the home ground. You know, with and, the- and full Foden was that one of them was just a mark of brilliance. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's just sensational. And, um, you know, well done to him. Single-handedly, like, worked his way through that defense and, and buried it. Um, so I'll, I'll be interesting, interested to see how he performs from now until the end of the season. We do know that City, you know, they are capable of those prolific, just huge, like, 10-plus 10, 10 wins on a row, you know, across all competitions you're going to hear. I do think the Champions League could be, uh, could hamper their, their, their title, like, um, Aspirations, aspirations, yeah, because yeah. um, it's no secret they'll definitely take a Champions League over a Premier League any day, um, and um, yeah, I, I don't think that they're as dangerous as they were. Mm. 
Chad, you said that Arsenal will win the league or you, that's something you expect to see this season. Yeah. Um, and I think the next question is supposed, supposedly how how will it be done? Will it be done on the final day of the season? Will Manchester City chase them all the way? Will, will they make it easy for Arsenal? What, what's going to happen? I, I don't think they'll make it easy for Arsenal. And I think not just Man City, I think other teams um, who are perhaps lacking confidence, teams that are struggling in the Premier League, who might be facing Arsenal, like teams like Bournemouth, they know what a victory. Teams that really need something to fight, uh, they know, even even relegation-threatened teams, they know that what a result over a team like Arsenal would do for their confidence and it would spur them on to end off the campaign on a high note and, and a higher finish, especially teams that are fighting in the bottom. So I think... For cities, what's good for City is they have those teams fighting as well against Arsenal. I think um, Arsenal need to be almost brilliant. Every game is like a cup final uh, for Arsenal. So I think for City, um, I do think that I, I think they'll be in the picture for like right till the end. I don't know if it'll be the final day or, or what, but I, they, they aren't they're really not going to slip out of top four. No, 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 no. That's not the question. I'm most, I mean. Certainly not. Um, I think also, I think. If you're the team and you're leading the Premier League race, and I can speak from experience, and I'm sure Jesse would agree, the one team you don't want breathing down your neck is Man City. It's just an uncomfortable feeling. You, you, no matter how well you perform, you just feel like this team, you just know what you're capable of. You know, uh, City have so much class, and they're the top scorers in the whole league. Um, I think scoring um, 15, uh, 66 goals. Uh, so they've... they they. They'll score every single game, uh, and and they've got players like Erling Haaland, and so with players like Erling Haaland, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, it's, it's hard to to just rule out a team like that with the quality that uh, City possess. Um, so I think City will be there. They'll push Arsenal all the way. I just think Arsenal. This is a different Arsenal, and they have the character, and I think they'll overcome the challenge of City. I think the the weak points from from what I've seen from City is their away form. And, uh, you know, recently they, they've only kept the, the, the game against Newcastle. They kept a clean sheet. It was the first one in, in six. Yeah. They've only kept one clean sheet in the previous six league appearances. And that came last time out. Is there more weaknesses in this Manchester City team uh, and than the Arsenal feel, team? Yeah, in a way from home, I think any, like, you know, you can fancy a, a goal. I won't say win the game, but definitely see, make them uncomfortable. You know, is there like... Uh, could you play like on the shoulder of a defender? You know, what are you working on? Um, and, and I think that it's, they're not, again, that same piece that we have seen. I think just to go off the City topic for a moment, what I want to say about Arsenal is if Arsenal win the league as I expect them, as, we, as many of us predict, I think this has to be one of the best title triumphs in, in, in ever. And I'll tell you why. Because... It's incredibly difficult to play in the Europa League on Thursday nights and to even be competing. We've seen teams lose out on a Champions League spot. They can't even, teams struggle to get into the top four when they play on Thursdays. Arsenal look like they're going to win everything at the moment. Uh, playing in the Champions League, I mean, playing in the Europa League on Thursdays and still riding out at the top of the Premier League, I think that is a fantastic achievement. It shows how how uh, this team are so hungry for success and nothing is going to get in their way. And it's very impressive to see. Just want to add that. Once yeah. you taste that champagne, you just want to drink more, don't you? Uh, gentlemen, as always, um, you know, plenty, 
plenty of talking points. The Liverpool um, beating Manchester United 7, of course, the hot one um, in studio today. And of course, the title race, getting the thoughts of uh, Desh and Chad, um, who are in agreement with myself as well, thinking that it's coming home to Arsenal Football Club. Arsenal will be champions um, in the 2022-23 season and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, gentlemen, let's let's leave on that note. And until next week, come on, Arsenal. Come on, Arsenal. Cheers, Cheers guys. Come on, Arsenal.